Should we talk? Should we talk movies, Kyle? Talk, not talk movies. Talking movies. Talking movies. 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 There. Movies. People make them and way watch them sometimes. Okay, we're talking movies here. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think we should talk about movies. I mean, that's I mean, what we've come here for. That's the reason for the season. The our excuse to sit here, sit here and talk. I made my coffee. I drove up here to the valley. Uh, it's a foggy day here in Los Angeles. It's been foggy it's a little, the last couple of days. Yeah, it's a. Little, I'm, you know, I went out to uh, to Venice yesterday. It was foggy there. The marine layer never came off. Wow! But here, it's foggy here, even this far inland. And we're talking about movies, uh, rain or shine. We're doing it for you. <laughs> we're doing it for you. You the, know, it's so funny. I tried to put up on social media. I was like, hey, you know, because... I just saw this. I didn't submit yeah, anything. Didn't Did anyone submit, submit anything? anything? That's what I was going to get to. No, nobody submitted anything. I think it's, you know, I think it's hard. There's a lot of, there's a lot of content out there. And, I know. And uh, maybe we need to make a more concerted effort to solicit some feedback or questions from our, our fan yeah, base. Willing. Or maybe maybe our, our people aren't as much on Instagram, you know? Yeah. Maybe they're on, uh, I don't know, MySpace. Maybe oh, I mean, maybe MySpace has a big... Is uh, Tom coming back? Uh, maybe Tom is coming back. He's coming back. Maybe Tom is coming back. Our best friend. <laughs> maybe our, our only friend, friend on our some level. Friend, yeah. Maybe our only friend, really, when you get right down to it. <laughs> We're talking movies. I guess we should talk about Mario Brothers first. You want to talk about Mario Brothers? Oh, we're, we're, we're going to talk too? You saw two? I saw them both. All right. I saw well, them let's both. Let's talk both of these movies. I yeah. saw them both. And as you know, it is my custom, which I will not diverge from today, to uh, talk about the movie first that uh, I think has less to say. <laughs> Because I sometimes just like to get one done, get one. You know, you get that feeling of satisfaction. You get to tick it off. You get get to tick it off your to do list. Because what what can be said about the most sanitized commercial? I think animated film I think I've ever seen in my life. Is it the most sanitized? It it might be up there. It's interesting. I've never thought about about ranking something in terms of its sanitization. Well, then it's the perfect movie, right? Because the idea of modern Hollywood is to eliminate risk. It is. It, it, and that's what it is. And for me, I, I guess, man, I'm at odds with the, um, a, a majority population that clearly, because this did incredibly well, it's going to sustain doing very well, not only because of the proper uh, the the popularity of the ip coming in you know this is one of the most popular video game characters in history if not the most popular video game character probably the most popular yeah. i don't know how you'd measure it yeah i mean in sales maybe uh yeah and, i guess that would be the most obvious way uh, to measure and, it and super mario world those iterations is like 500 million dollars mario kart is like 200 180 200 million dollars or you know it mario party is like 140 million dollars yeah 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 it's pretty insane how much money mario has sustained and uh keeps keeps sustaining like in a popular consciousness not only is he in a nostalgia and in video game experience for us now our children experience these games now our our you know everybody is is invested in this and um i will say i think this movie is 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 streamlined and dedicated to just children it it is chaotic it has just a bare minimum story it's silly 
um, it's really not for me. It's not for me as a old, a old an old person, but ancient, <laughs> ancient. old as the hills. <laughs> but also as an older member, Super Mario Social Brothers Security fan. recipient, Kyle Brule. That is me. Uh, it's it's not fraud if you feel it. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's, that's our that's our motto. That's the up to date cinephile motto. It's not fraud if you feel it. <laughs> but um. Yeah, I mean, there's references, but what, you know, references are just so empty. I d- I don't need references. I need something a little more to to this and uh, in, in my entertainment. But but kids don't. Kids want to just experience it. And my uh, Katie Katie's brother has a couple children, and they loved it. They adored it. They Carolina liked it. Yeah, Carolina well, Carolina liked it. That's a big endorsement. She doesn't like everything. She does not like everything. Uh, what, was she was she frightened at any moment? She was a little bit, but she pushed through, which is a credit to the movie because she doesn't always do that. If if she finds something to be spooky, yeah, she will sometimes just check out. She'll be done. She'll be done. But uh, not this time. She watched it. She enjoyed it. I had a few drinks when I saw this movie. I think that probably helped. That probably helped. I did not. I okay, saw well, lesson learned. Stone cold sober. Lesson uh, learned. Sobriety has its price. It it does. I don't know. I, I there's just there's not a lot as you said. There's there's not really a lot to talk about because I mean it just is fan service. The movie. It's just a commercial for the products that it offers. It's trying to hit those. It's trying to hit the cat reference for the modern games. It's trying to hit, you know, it's got a little Super Mario Galaxy in there. It's got Mario Kart. It's got uh, uh, Super Smash Brothers, and it's trying to hit those those marks for your for for recollection, for nostalgia, for callback, and that's all it is. It's just a movie of markers that it hits, and there's really, you know. I, I'm not against the base storyline of two brothers starting, you know, who who love each other, and it's about him saving his brother mostly, and them coming together rather than it about saving the princess. I'm not actually against that that change and shift in the story because I mean because there is no story to Mario. Like it's 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 just a pathway. There's a there's a villain. He's stolen the princess, and you're just trying to free her like that's uh, it like there's not I much mean, to it i mean that's one thing i said when i came out of the movie is it's sort of funny to think about the quote-unquote stories of nintendo games yes right? absolutely uh which are so little story as to be almost none it is the least amount of story you could imagine yeah so it's sort of funny to make a movie based on it i agree there's a princess uh you got to jump over some shit to go get to her i guess you know right i mean like that's it that's mario yeah that's the story. There's no backstory to like the Koopas, the, whether they fly or whether they don't. There's no backstory to the Goombas. Like so, it's all it's free for all. Which which is what makes it, I guess, kind of a weird moment of genius to have created this character, not understanding. I mean, how could you know, right? How could you know that this would tap into something? You you didn't. You didn't. All you can say is that it was something different. Yeah. Right. It was something new. Uh. And I guess the aesthetic of like the plumber and the pipes kind of goes hand in hand and becomes an important part of the game, both aesthetically and mechanically, right? Taking these pipes to other locations, right? But that's about it. Yeah. That's about all you could say about it. You know, we've kind of come to the other end of that particular telescope where you've got these video games that have these epic sprawling stories, yeah. right? Yeah, they have to sustain themselves. 
sometimes 20 or 30 times longer than yeah. a feature film, right? Absolutely. If you're going to play the game for 40, I mean, 50 even, hours. Even, even Last of Us, which is a shorter <laughs> rendition on it, is still 9 to 10 hours of gameplay or and story. Yeah. Red Dead Redemption, I mean, just the cutscenes alone uh, can can range up into the double digits of hours. Just the cutscenes, not, not, not including gameplay and not even including uh, extra like uh, features yeah. it's just the storyline is sprawling epic and uh you you invest a lot of time in those things so what can we say for this movie our my kid liked it you know some kids I know who some liked kids it. who liked it the animation is good and the, the quality of computer animation has gotten pretty high in, in ways that yes. i think are and, and it it makes the movie visually pretty fully realized it and does it, feel like you're it going aids. to some interesting places yeah it aids in 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 and the mario games have gotten better and better at the immersion yeah. into this uh this this physical realm the mushroom kingdom and beyond and you know whether it is you know the heights of super mario 64 to super mario galaxy or odyssey you are like the the animation has consistently stepped up its game for uh the modernization of Mario. Yeah. And the movie is kind of a culmination of that modernization. It it sits on a bedrock of of foundation and uh reference and nostalgia and some of some of the things in that context work, some of them don't. But yes, the animation, the desire the replication of that feeling to want to go to that place which the video games are that kind of um that 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 road that vessel to take you to this kind of place that's a that's new that's weird that's different when you really think about it, it's the strangest place and but but they do a good job and yeah the animation is i mean it, it cost an exorbitant amount of money to make this animation and it, it looks good. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so there's that. I mean, I do think Jack Black brings something to the table. He's funny. He's, he's entertaining. He's he, really the only yeah. acting part of the movie that is particularly notable. Yeah, I, I honestly, I, I wasn't, I didn't find Charlie Day's uh, Luigi egregious. I found Anya Taylor-Joy's Peach to be bland. I didn't think there was much consideration of wh- how they were changing her and what that would make her. In fact, the changes that they made of her to be competent and in control and autonomous almost made it uh, because they're trying to say that she can just save herself, which is fine because she literally is not saved in the movie at all. In fact, she kind of handles the situation prior to Mario even showing up. Uh, it's just the he he and Luigi deliver the final coup de grace, you know, on Bowser in a in a in a showdown that really is not about saving the princess; it's saving you know, New York. It's saving yeah, their yeah. family. I, and so, removing her out of that and making her into someone who's just purely competent all the time. I don't know. There's just something kind of boring about that. You know, somebody who doesn't need help is is and can handle it is kind of well there's no there's no characters in this movie uh, that that is that and that's my I mean, there's, base no, complaint. there's no characters if by character you mean like someone who's gonna like go on a journey yes. mario is it <clears throat> mario goes from being scared to being not so scared and no other not, character and he's change. not even really scared in the beginning he's willing to step up to bullies and, no, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, but i mean i'm just saying there, there's no other character that goes on any sort of journey at all no there's no character development right no. that's not what's happening um 
I have no, I, I found not, nothing good or bad about any of the performances outside of Jack Black's, which I thought was a net positive. Net positive, yeah. Uh, I will say in favor of this movie, there isn't a ton of shit in it that's like the winking Shrek shit for adults. Really, the only thing is that little running gag they have with the, the cute thing in the cage that's saying existentially that, um, horrible things. Yeah, it's, oh, it's the they, That was meant to be like yeah. a joke. I don't care about that. <laughs> but it, but it, but it was it was it was little enough that because you know I find that offensive, right? <laughs> I find trying to make like adult jokes in kids' movies offensive. Not not like offensive, like oh you said shit, but offensive aesthetically. I find you, it aesthetically offensive because I think it's boring. You I think, think it's played out. You think Luma quoting Kurt Vonnegut and, and yeah uh, existentialism and all yeah that, that's like the only thing that's like for the adults and it's it, it's fine I don't care that much about it but it's not too much that's important um I guess I found Fred Armisen being in there as Cranky Kong to be a little bit funny so I'll, I'll a little unhinged it, which I'll, I think that is Cranky's mo it, so I'll give it a point for that um. My nephews I saw it with, who were um, 19 and 21, respectively, seemed to enjoy it. Uh, it's clearly in my nostalgia zone. I grew up with these games. I remember the first time I got a Nintendo system. It was a huge day in my life. It was given to me by my, my older brother. Thank you, Jason. Uh, I remember the first time I played Super Mario World. Uh, sitting in a Target on one of those things that you could play for like two minutes before it reset and having that shit blow my mind and wanting and not being able at that moment yet to get a Super Nintendo. <laughs> so Mario is, is is very much in my nostalgia wheelhouse. Um, I agree with you. This movie is uh, it's not bad exactly. No, I wouldn't no. say it's bad. It's profoundly forgettable. It's yeah. it's not interesting. Uh it is, you know, I've given it the points that I would give it. Yeah. But if kids like it, then that's something to say for it. I mean, I don't have to like everything. We don't have to like everything. No. It's fine that it's for kids. I agree. And if the kids I like agree. it, I mean, I do think that there are, is better kids entertainment, that you Absolutely. can you can make kids entertainment that has a little more emotional heft to it, yeah. and that shows more interesting conflicts and questions of development but this ain't it, and that's okay. Maybe maybe this is kind of like, in its own way, the equivalent of something like Dungeons & Dragons in a kid's movie. I like Dungeons & Dragons a lot more, yeah, obviously. I yeah. think there's a lot more to it. But we say it's just okay, and that's okay. Because like I said, it, it, it what to me... When I give this, when I what I'm trying to say positive about this movie is that it doesn't do certain things in these kinds of movies that I dislike. Yeah, which is like try to be more for adults, but in a way that's kind of referential. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I guess it's for adults in some nostalgia way. It's for anyone who cares about Mario in a nostalgia way, right? But it's not. It's not trying to wink at the audience and be funny in that sense. No, they they and do, that I appreciate. They do leave a lot of its nods and winks to just visual uh, texture in the background if you're like paying attention, uh, such as like the Donkey Kong hammer, you know, being in the background, yeah. you know, it, it it in one of the shops, like little things here and there. I, I I this is this is the thing. I agree with you. There's something really inoffensive about this. I mean, it's clearly created to be it's perfectly smooth. It's a perfectly smooth product. Smooth. Yeah. 
I do worry about that. I do worry, and I do worry. I mean, when, this is where it's going. Don't worry. I, <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> well, then, then I'm depressed about this. Then. Well, that's but yeah, it's that's your constitution. That's my constitution. You're I, de- you 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 have you have a low grade filmic depression. I do. I I worry about yesterday as today as tomorrow. <laughs> I know it's true. It's you know something so empty and sanitized, polished. I inoffensive that's fine i you know i'm not saying that there's no room for empty calorie you know consideration here for for a entertainment diet but this is clearly the only thing people want to see in a majority i I wouldn't say that you know honestly i I mean just to be a little bit contrary to you i do think that over you know the past decade or so or two maybe I think children's movies generally have fared better than popular entertainment for adults in terms of their mm-hmm. quality. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, we've seen Disney put out good movies. We've seen Pixar put out great movies at times. It's they've, it's um, been faltering a little bit. It, on both I, of I those mean, there, no doubt, right? But yeah. I'm just saying that, like, if you if you asked me blind whether I wanted to see the next Pixar movie or the next Marvel movie, that's not a hard choice for me. Oh, oh sure, yes, that's not a hard abso- choice. Absolutely, right? Yeah. So you know, we're gonna get some things like this. Um, but there's still something, and also it's short, right? You know, it but gets a, is, it gets a bonus point on Ben's scale for being less than 100 minutes, yeah. right? So we give it a bonus point for that. Yeah, or I give it a bonus point for that. But I agree with you. I just I'm I'm, I guess like I said, I I think that animation and movies made ostensibly for children have fared better in this time period well and and leica has made great movies I mean, right w- w- if you can we say, still well, get one more miyazaki movie coming down the pike yeah you know Mi- and those things i mean my, my kid years. my kids my kid loves totoro i mean so yeah you know and we're always going to point to miyazaki because it's just it's the apex of the form right this kind of a movie that's made for children but is appealing to everyone is very lovely yeah amazing animation amazing story uh most things aren't going to be that good. They can't be mm-hmm. that good. If this is kind of the bottom of the barrel, well, that's not so bad. Well, it isn't the bottom of the barrel. I think we can... Uh, no, no, it's not. You're right. It's not the bottom of the barrel. But if this is like the absolute replacement level movie, let's yeah. say. This is just the most... I agree with you. This movie... Um, this movie is could have easily been written by an algorithm. We joke about movies oh, yeah. being written by algorithms. Oh, yeah. but But really, the only thing that has any personality to it is... A few moments with Jack Black as Bowser. Those are the, those are the only it. movies that ha- moments that have, like that Peaches song is maybe the only thing that will stick in my mind. It, uh, probably will garner because because it's such a fan favorite. Might be up for the Academy Awards. Sure, great. Why not? Let that motherfucker get in a Bowser costume and perform at the Academy Awards. <laughs> to me, that nothing would be better at the Academy Awards than Jack Black in a Bowser costume. Right? Like, let's be honest about what we're really doing here. Yeah. <laughs> Good God! I mean, uh, I th- I love Jack Black. Uh, when when I initially heard of the casting, he was the only one I, I thought was appropriate, and, and maybe that's because I I thought he was the only one who's going to bring something to the table. But, but even like people feeling so strongly one way about Chris Pratt, I'm sorry, I can't get there with them. I just yeah. don't care. Yeah. Honestly, I didn't really notice it was him, so maybe that's a credit to him, right? Maybe for me, maybe he just dissolved from me because I'm not chronically online and chronically engaged in some conversation about Chris fucking Pratt, yeah, who I have not cared about since maybe the first Guardians movie and probably honestly since He's Parks become, and Rec 
which is his best work. He really is a, a product of the online division, which if you're not engaged and if you're not going down that Twitterverse uh, spiraling, you know, erosion of your soul, <laughs> which you shouldn't, which you shouldn't, um, then you wouldn't be aware. Like, you know, honestly, sometimes the complaints about Chris Pratt, I find to be way too much uh, looks like he's got shit politics right these people all have shit i mean maybe his politics are more shit than most yeah he's right? part of a shit I, church shit politics you know all these things the that, shit church he, he attends the shit church the shit I, church I, yeah. yeah i just you know i hate everybody i, I agree I mean, I, i'm there I with hate you everybody and so no but that's not fair right people people are public figures they can come in for criticism i don't yeah. care sure Right, they can come in for criticism. If you put what you think out there, you come in for criticism. That's fine. Yeah. You know, well, that's that's what you do. If you want to, if you want to be out there saying shit, whatever shit he's saying, and I really don't know, except I sense it's some to the right. Right, I'm sure I don't agree with him. Sure. It's pretty safe to say, but uh, I just, yeah. I mean, I, I wrote something about this on my Substack earlier this week. Just this sense of exhaustion. Oh yeah, just this yeah. sense of ex- just endless exhaustion. That comes from even being per- peripherally aware of what is going on online. Yeah. I mean, of course, I was talking about Trump and the indictment, uh-huh. but it applies to anything. It applies Absolutely. to anything. This this terminal need to just constantly be fucking out there and having takes and shit. It's exhausting. It's fucking exhausting. But that said, I, Chris Pratt was, a, like I said, none of the voice actors were like any sort of net negative to me. The story no, because, is boring. Because They're everything, boring. everything is is in its again empty, uh, 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 frictionless uh, world that they've created. They fit right into it. Like See, everything about it is not is not to cause offense or uh, conflict or contrast. It's just meant to deliver, and so they are just there as vessels and voices to provide yeah. for the experience. That it has nothing going on yeah. for it, really. No, let's not talk about this fucking movie anymore. We okay, talked about it. You can see a kid with a kid that like it, whatever. It see it, don't see it. Plenty of people have. Well, clearly, <laughs> it's going to make money. Watching it with a kid will enhance your experience. Or, uh, Ben Thalen says, drink. Uh, yeah, have a couple drinks. Give your kid a couple drinks. I had a couple drinks. I had a couple drinks. Uh, yeah, sure. Give me a kid a drink. Whatever. Yeah, no. Well, I, rub I, a little whiskey on their lips. I don't know. Whatever no, the fuck people do. I agree with you. I, I, I can't necessarily find much of a, a grasp for conversation because it is what it is. It's, uh, I've, I've expressed hey, my depression. Sarah, Sarah. It is just what it is. Whatever yeah. will be, <laughs> will be. Well, do you want to talk about a movie that has probably more to talk about? is uh, yeah i i'm just gonna come out of the gate and say i loved air i thought oh, this was a great movie it. all right i, I love this i'm gonna like it more than you i didn't and, love it and uh and that's gonna have to do with me with my preoccupations with the things that i think are interesting sure yeah in addition to the movie's inherent merits right which we can we can talk about yeah so yeah. i love this movie uh how did you feel about this movie so i have mixed feelings about the movie okay and, and and it's it's where where i land is not that it's a bad movie it's not it's a, it's a good movie uh my it was in my experience with it where i i felt an incredible strong uh quality and recognition of its quality in the first 45 to an hour the first half of this movie is i think 
very well paced, very well done, very well articulated, well acted. Okay. And then then there's like a half hour of the setup of inevitability. We all know the I mean maybe not everyone knows how this all ends, although I'm pretty sure you know based off of Yes, the everyone existence. everyone knows. <laughs> everyone knows how this ends. And so it's because everyone of that, everyone who is not I mean they would have to thaw someone out. Yeah, it's because of that it's the because demolition man. We know where it's going. We know the, the outcome. Encino man. Stretch there's a half an hour of stretching out the drama of it. Where part of it I like, there's some subplot stories, notably with Jason Bateman, that enhance the idea and the commentary of the idea of of these kind of characters that we follow. And to have those characters have a an awareness of what they're doing, an awareness of their actions and the potential of of good and of folly because of those things. And I think I, I understand you, your initial um, declaration of that this is good and that you enjoyed it because it, it does have a lot on its mind, which, which uh, again, w- w- in comparison to the other movie, like there's nothing on its mind. And so with this, uh, with, with Air... It's trying to tackle these these larger than life kind of gamblers, American gamblers, uh, put them in a situation uh, uh, where where we are we are typically on board with them and typically unquestioning on board with their behavior and their decisions. And as Matt Damon, who is clearly one of these risk takers, these American risk takers, you know, trying to put everything uh, of Nike's budget, you know, sports budget, which is minuscule at its time because they, or basketball budget, not sports budget, but basketball budget. And to, to go after this, the, the gem that is, uh, or that the, the trailer makes it seem that nobody want like wants anything to do with Michael Jordan, but everybody wants a piece of Michael Jordan at this time. And so it's about convincing him to come over and, these kind of American gamblers we usually follow and un- with un- unquestioning loyalty and like assumption because they succeed. What I like about Ben Affleck and Matt Damon's script is that they're trying to take a look and step back as to what possibly could have gone wrong with this and that there are consequences to actions, that there are consequences to just barreling forward with your own sense of superiority with yeah. with a with a with with your your knowledge, your expertise, or whatever that is, but it can go wrong. And they foreshadow that in the beginning. It's somebody who's ga- who's a gambler, goes to Vegas, and he loses. He loses at the craps table, and that it sets up a foreshadowing of what might happen. And they give it a human face. And the, one of those subplots is with Jason Bateman. And when he, the, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is them on the weekend talking. And him talking about how he has a kid. Yeah. And Matt Damon's like, well, we got to take risks in order to, you know, do something. And he's like, sounds like you, sounds like someone who doesn't have a seven-year-old to see on Sundays. Yeah. And yeah. Two, two great actors doing, doing great work. Yeah. Uh, I actually the script was written by someone else. Oh, was it? Oh, I. That, that, that's In fact, there was a nice little story about how uh, Affleck and they, they decided uh, they would. 
you know, apparently they made a lot of changes on the fly, and they they could have arbitrated for a screenwriting credit, and they didn't. And the writer was very touched. There, there's a lot about this production, I think, in in a positive nature for the business is that they're yes. giving people below the line people. They got a piece. A piece. They got a taste. They, just like MJ. Just like MJ. Just like Air. Just like Air Jordan. <laughs> Which it is they got interesting a taste. to put it into, obviously, they're embedding their action to story and that, that MJ deserved a piece of their name and their contribution and investment in themselves. And uh, the movie lands on they agree with that and they agree that, you know, sp- uh, sp- anyone who's trying to exploit players of any kind, whether it's college uh, professional or otherwise, that their likeness, their individuality should be preserved, and they if they, if someone's making money off of them, they should be making money off of the yeah. same th- same yes. idea. Yes, yes. I, I think in comparing that to below the line workers, you know, it's 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 more of a stretch because my you know investing yeah. in Michael Jordan is it was a a hot commodity, but uh, they did but they didn't know they didn't just know. how hot no. right. I mean that's you know that's one thing about this movie. So, the one of the kinds of stories that I love are stories that try to pierce through the top level narrative of why things are what they the way that they are, and get to stories that are deeper and, in some sense, more important in explaining yeah. where we find ourselves and how and why. Right, you have this montage at the beginning of the movie. I'm sort of a sucker for these historical montages. <laughs> You've got uh, uh, "Money for Nothing" by Dire Straits playing. Great, great song, though. Maybe the up, most yeah. iconic '80s song. And he says, "I want my MTV." MTV, of course, is a part of this. Yeah, a part of whatever transformation is happening in the '80s, below the level of what's happening with Reagan, below the level of kind of these macro trends, the things that you might learn about in a high school history class. Yeah. And I think that the significance of what happens in this movie and the ramification it ha- ramifications it has, the reverberations it has to this day, in some ways cannot be overstated. And one thing I love this movie for is its engagement with something that is very deep in the culture, this new phenomenon that we are still grappling with. So... They go to design the shoe. We've all seen this shoe. Even if you don't care about shoes, you've seen the Air Jordan 1. You yeah. know what this shoe looks like. It was such a... It was a huge thing when I was growing up. Oh, like, God. Yeah. Every, every, if, if the kid had an Air Jordan, mm. you knew that they were they were a little rich. Or at least a little more. Yeah, they, they had a little walking around money. Yeah, a little bit. So... Or, but it's not even that they were rich, because your family could have afforded Air Jordans. Even my family might have been able to. Yeah, that's but fair. But, it is, but see, this is important. It's about what you value and what you think. Yeah. Right? Because what this is really about is a shift in consciousness. Yeah. And I know that that sounds grandiose, but let me explain. Yeah. So Jordan's, Jordan ultimately wants to go sign a shoe contract with Adidas or maybe Converse. And the shoe designer, whose name I forget, Gives the uh, the Nike guys, Sonny Vaccaro, who's the Matt Damon, who was played by Matt Damon and the Jason Bateman character. He gives them this option. Do you want form or function? <laughs> Do you want form or function? And they choose form. Now, the other two companies, Converse and Adidas, Converse is the function option, right? Converse is the shoe that all the pros wear. 
So if you want the pro shoe that's worn by the pros because it's the best because it's what the pros go out and play with, so it must be the best. It must be the one that's the best for actually playing basketball, for running around a court and shooting hoops. Then Converse is the choice. If you want form, you go for Adidas. Their shoe is the most beautiful, yeah. right? It is the most attractive shoe. It has this sleek European quality to it. It's all leather, which it then I guess, was a big idea, I guess. <laughs> And so they choose form. That's what they say they're choosing. And the shoe they create is indeed a very attractive shoe, a shoe that people, the Air Jordan 1, people wear this shoe to this day. It's a very popular, very attractive design. It was also be, it was rebellious. It was because, rebellious. Yeah, because it... Okay, it, it, it was rebellious. It was rebellious. What do you mean by it being rebellious? Rebellious. This is good. I'm glad you said that. Well, because it, 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 it was counteracting the established rules of the NBA. Yes. Like, it, it, it is not only a vision against those rules, but because it was breaking that that barrier, it became uh, attractive. It yes. became attractive in that way. Okay. So form or function, that's allegedly the choice. But what Nike does with the Jordan, and this isn't, I don't know, I don't want to say that this is the first time that this happens, but it is definitely a huge shift in consciousness that is that this shoe is very much a part of they create a third category which is something different than former function which is something that is very modern Mm -hmm. right and it has to do with the object as a kind of talisman right it has to do with a value or a sense of power and purpose that the object becomes infused with because of its association with this person, mm-hmm. with Michael Jordan. Yeah, It's very hard to imagine a peasant, which is what most human beings have been for most of what we call civilizational Absolutely, history. Absolutely, 100%. Buying a hammer or any tool, right, because it is infused with talismanic power being made by the greatest, being the same model that the best peasant uses. Yeah. It's very hard to imagine that, right? You cast your mind back to the year 1247. I don't know. Pick one. <laughs> Pick one. Yeah, I mean, if everyone... 1355. Yeah. You cast your mind back and... When that person's looking for a tool, right, an article of clothing, a shoe, a hoe, whatever, whatever they used, they're just looking for the one that works. Mm-hmm. Maybe it'll be durable. That might count for something, right? Yeah. So it works. That'll keep working. That does the task, right? They might care even, and there are people out there, right? They might care if something's beautiful, right? But very few people are, are interested in fashion, Right, And even if you're interested in fashion, you're going to be interested to some extent in how you think the thing looks. Of course, if this person or that person is wearing it, you know, you read books about the various, you know, royal courts. It's like, well, Anne Boleyn comes in and she's wearing something different. So other people want to wear it. But that is confined to like a very narrow strata very, of society, yeah, right? Niche, Who can yeah. even think about these things, right? But we, but we have in the 20th century this, a democratization of luxury, Right. Like, like I said, you could have gotten like your your parents, my parents, yes, they could have they could have gotten these shoes. It might have been a stretch. 
it might have been something that been like, you know, my, my parents were the same. Like, I'm not spending that much money on shoes, whatever. I get it. Like, they thought that was bullshit because they were of a previous generation, right, where they didn't understand. Or maybe they understood something better. I don't know. Maybe they had better values, right? They had different values, right? And they did not understand this democratization of fashion and how the fashion would become coextensive with not the thing, right, either as a useful thing to put on your feet mm-hmm. right because you don't want to walk around barefoot you step in some shit or even as something that is aesthetically beautiful right although i would argue that i mean there have been a lot of jordan shoes some of them have been ugly i think that first one actually is very attractive yeah right but regardless it gets its value from its attachment in some sense to this person right you yeah. get that the the the, the peak narrative like the the narrative turning point in the movie right which i think is very smart is when sonny vaccaro sees the arthur ash ad that's when he has the big idea yeah you can use the racket it's the same racket you can buy it you can use my shoe it's the same shoe in that and in that way you can attach yourself to me you can have this piece of me you can be like mike Mm-hmm. right and that aspirational desire to attach yourself to a kind of person or way of being has become so much a part of the world we live in that we don't perceive it it's, right it's that we so don't embedded. perceive it yeah because every brand is a lifestyle brand mm-hmm. now and that's not an idea that's always existed Right, especially across the board. Like maybe you can look back and say, well, there were certain luxury brands that you'd want to own because that meant you were rich. Mm-hmm. Right? You'd have something from Gucci or Prada or whatever. Although even those things have been both democratized and become ubiquitous. Right, one hundred percent. You know, some a person in fashion once pointed out to me the whole, the whole point that the whole reason big fashion brands like Grada, like Grada, that's. Uh, Gucci and Prada put together. <laughs> Yves Saint Laurent, whatever. The reason they have runway shows is so that they can sell, you know, middle class people perfume and sunglasses and things that yeah. they can afford. They might not be able to afford a $10,000 piece of hot couture, but they can spend some extra money to buy nice perfume, nice sunglasses, whatever, that are brand, that, they're made in China, but that are branded yeah. by with that. You're, you're, you're buying into the lower tier of the, the high concept. But, th- but this this idea that like, you can sort of taste that life and you can have just a little piece of Michael Jordan, right? It's a new idea. Mm-hmm. And it's, like I said, it's so it's so ubiquitous. I agree. And yeah. it has become such a part of the way we consume and what what counts as a kind of aspirational pattern of consumption that I don't think we recognize it. Yeah. And what this movie is about is kind of the explosion of that idea i don't want to say the birth of that idea no but it's about the explosion of that idea it's about people who grab onto something kind of grab on to kind of grab onto some lightning that they don't even really understand yeah which i think is also very interesting right and there's a lot of stories like that i always come back to twitter i think twitter is a great story of that I don't know that the story has really fully been told. When you create a thing and you don't even understand what it really is or yeah. what it really means. Yeah. You know, you, you just think it's a way that a bunch of people can, like, text message their friends, right? You think it's a way that, like, groups can communicate that's easier than just regular text messages. Yeah. You don't see the power of it. Yeah, and becomes something else. Yeah, and this movie is tapping into that 
<clears throat> clearly that very notion. I mean, utilizing the lightning rod that is Michael Jordan and the 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 elusiveness of that, the elusiveness of the idea, which is a reason why they don't show him in the movie, is is that he is in. He's in the room, but you never see his face. You never really get him to speak for a variety of reasons. But it really comes down to this: it's it is for us to engage in the same process, the same way of putting ourselves or putting our idea of him. He is the modern god. Yes, he's yeah. Zeus. Yeah, he's mythology. He, fl- he flies. He's mythology. But it's right. The Nike, the em- the emblem of Athena, Nike, right? God is the, victory. The, the the famous the famous image we end with the famous image of Air Jordan right flying through the air, the speech that he gives to Jordan, mm-hmm. these this is he is a god right, Michael Jordan and people like Michael Jordan are our gods now. Yes, yeah, that's correct. It is correct. That's correct. And and it's interesting because the movie has a complicated feeling about that. As I, one should, as right? One should. As one yeah. should. As a complicated I mean, I have feeling. a complicated feeling about all gods, right? <laughs> yes, right? But gods. but our new ones are particularly interesting. Particularly because this secular form of veneration and worship uh, is, you know, you know, it can it, there's an ability for someone like Michael Jordan to ground our aspirations and to make us believe in something you know you know to to, to witness a human rather than a god it could be, they they become godlike because it is a human a demigod of sorts who is doing something that you can witness and is tangible and and you can touch and assess and uh, put into an understanding of your own life, you know, because other gods, you know, from the past and they're elusive, they're disconnected. If they're all powerful, you can't necessarily be part of it. And we're not even talking about abstract entities, right? I mean, I mean, you know, when Hirohito came on the radio to tell the Japanese people that they lost world war two, people fainted. Yeah. They lost their minds, right? They thought like, how can we be hearing the voice of this person? Yeah. Very hard to imagine that now. Right. Yeah. I just started reading, um, the famous David Halberstam book, The Powers That Be, which is all about kind of the rise of the modern media and how it affected politics. And the whole preface is about Roosevelt and how Roosevelt, I mean, how Roosevelt just understood media, like the greatest, yeah. the greatest um, media kind of manipulator, right? I mean, Absolutely. that sounds bad, but I mean, it's, it's just I, what it was, what it was. And how, it's I mean, he, I mean, he was able to get elected, do something nobody's ever done and get elected for nobody where I will do again, probably because they met in the constitution, get elected four times because he was good at the radio and he was good with the media. Like his, his understanding like this, like they're, they're grasping intuitively. And I think, I, I mean, it's hard to know, right? I think Roosevelt maybe actually understood what he was doing a little bit, whereas these guys kind of stumble into it mm-hmm. to some extent. Or maybe they have a sense, but they don't really know. You know, Sonny Vaccaro and Phil Knight and the people at Nike. Uh, but it's hard, in a way, it's harder to understand, right? I mean, the, the power of radio ultimately is pretty basic and simple, right? He comes into your home. He calls you his friend. Roosevelt does. My friends. Halberstam pointed out something great. I didn't know this. Uh, when he would, there was there was a time when he would do the, um, you know, it would be a summer day. He'd be doing one of his fireside chats on the radio, and uh, he would ask for a glass of water on the air. Mm-hmm. Just just king shit, just genius shit. You humanize yourself. Mm-hmm. You humanize yourself to people. I need it. I'm just a regular guy. I need some water. 
uh, he understood something way before other people did. Absolutely. And, yeah. and, now, and now we have this sort of vulgar version of it, whatever, you know, that, that's the kind of way things go. This is harder to understand. It's harder to understand. And it does have, it, it's, it's a very interesting kind of inversion almost of the Roosevelt thing because of the Roosevelt thing, you get someone who is essentially a god making himself human for the purposes of coming to you coming yeah. to you and making and bringing himself to your level to down yeah for the purposes of earning your love and your trust here you have the idea of a religious relic writ large right you know you can all have a piece of michael jordan this physical object which has talismanic properties which putting on your feet which having in your house which owning which purchasing gives you something gives you something like some part of what you're paying for is something that is supernatural yeah that is not and by the way by which i mean it is not it has nothing to do with the you know rubber and leather no and what it lets you do how it feels on your foot how it lets you um you know not get a shard of glass embedded in your toe, <laughs> if you step on it. Yeah. Which is the traditional function of a shoe. Something else. Yeah. I still think we're we're wrestling with and reckoning with what that something else might be. Yeah. This is this is a movie that's going back to a point that you can you can see where it explodes, see where it goes. And I that that democratization, commercialization of an entity, of a of an idea is is profound and we're still we, i i do agree with you i don't think we truly understand what what has happened and it's sort of just naturally embedded and we don't question it anymore and it's it the movie is trying to kind of orient and understand it that if you're going to be part of that project, if we're going to use your name, if we're going to make you into this, there is a conversation and that's why it, it is having a multitude of angles it it is saying that this is part of the culture this is something that they were trying to tap into uh, the base idea that uh that that was new but then at the same time there's there is the conversation about do what value do you give to that and can there be a value put on it if if it is just a belief in yourself a belief in your son really and nego the negotiation for what that percentage might be and and having a piece of the pie that everyone else is trying to utilize at your expense um the movie is trying to deal with it in not necessarily a celebratory like that that this man saw this vision he saw the opportunity he took a gamble and he took and it could have failed it could have had a monstrous failure for for all of them um and he succeeds and in in a typical form of biopic or movie of this vein if if he did it in the 90s or 80s it would be a celebration of this man but the movie has different cultural psychological ideas about where you know the the ambiguity of that the yeah. the questions of where, of how we're dealing with it today and 
how how do we take a step back and value its uh, you know and and make sure that we're not bulldozing people for their pure exploitation yeah although i mean honestly i find the the thematic content there to be like a little less compelling i mean does he deserve to profit from the use of his his name and likeness sure. of course yes. of course he does and is it true that these people will only you know the phil knights of the world will only They'll never give you anything. You only ha- you can only take from them, and you can only take from them at a at a weird moment where you find them to be vulnerable. That's sure. also true, hundred yeah. percent true. Yeah, I think all those things are true, right? I I just think that this idea of what counts as value mm-hmm. uh, is much is much more compelling and much more interesting to think about, right? Yeah. Like why. Like, why this thing at this moment, right? Which clearly they didn't understand, right? Nobody understood. Because if people knew how much it was worth, they would have been offering a lot more. Yeah. Right? They, they're like, oh, $250,000 a year for five years. So much. Mm-hmm. I think LeBron signed a lifetime contract with Nike for a billion dollars yeah, with a B. Yeah. That's not just inflation. No, no. That's a, absolutely <laughs> that's, not. That's not just inflation, right? So... There was something, there was some untapped well. And I think it's, tra- I think it maps onto an even broader story about America, to be honest, which is that uh, for our lifetimes, since roughly, I mean, this movie depicts of some events that happened before you were born. They occurred when I was I think, four. Um, American economic growth has been basically illusory. It's been buoyed up by consumer spending, which has been facilitated by the availability of credit. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Purchasing that occurs because of a kind of middle class aspirational notion that you can have the finer things in life. Mm-hmm. Right. Which would include fancy pair of sneakers. Yeah. With Michael Jordan's name on them. Right. Th- that's America. That's the America of our lifetime. Mm-hmm. A place where, and they even bring this up, they even point to this the shoes that are not made in America. He said they're made in Taiwan. They're made in China now, or not even China. Probably Southeast Asia. That's where a lot of mm-hmm. that's where a lot of manufacturing has moved. Where it's even cheaper than China. China now going through the same process that we went through: the growth of a middle class, the explosion of consumer spending, the explosion of people purchasing luxury goods, right, yeah. as um, markers of their status, or you know, as a way to. Um, justify the amount of time they spend working the the alienated nature that's another thing right these products as a way of feeling like you're part of something right as a substitute for the disintegration of other forms of belonging community yeah you become a part of some community via consumption right yeah which goes back to i mean some of our conversation about mario the power of nostalgia the power of fandom, how you achieve identity by attaching yourself yeah. to certain cultural products, right? As opposed to the more traditional means of, you know, community or family, the ways that we would usually identify yourself. I mean, people identify themselves as sneakerheads now. Yes. That's a new phenomenon. There's a whole market of it. Um, my friend Dan took me to a place in Vegas and it literally, I th- I think they are all uh, designed and by, by by other designers, but it is the foundation, I think, of the Air Jordan. Like it, and they, yeah. they do these 
art installations yeah. based off of its uh, it, its base fu- function, but they do designs to it. They paint it up, and now it, it, it they cost thousands and thousands of dollars. Like it, it, it's a base yeah. of it, but it is it is a it's it's a conversation of this is interesting that a shoe and its basic function can take on the element of being something more, something higher because. It, it is just a matter of, of – it is beyond this idea, this split that you keep talking about, the form and function. And how you've, how you've just related it, this buying into a community, buying into an idea, something just like clicked with me because that this is, this is, this is a, a fascinating you – know, you know, there, there's a lot of benefit that can come from this, obviously. You know, obviously Michael Jordan made – billions of dollars uh continues to be one of the highest earning athletes in the world uh two decades after he played a meaningful sporting event they have provided a lot you know especially his mother they talk about has provided a lot of monetary aid and establishing of charity and uh, you know i I think that those can be beneficial in in a way but it, it is this a more elusive thing of filling this void, you know, because I think through the setup of how we're all sort of just moving forward in our trajectory, we don't oftentimes get the chance to really assess what makes a valuable life. And so therefore it's easy to fill that gap with things with to, to buy into your nostalgia, to buy into something that is momentary and I, it, it's, you know, I, I, I of all people have, have done that in the past. Well, we all do. We, we all do. And, and I mean, we're sitting behind me is a movie collection that you, is arguably what I put most of that, of that process in. All your filthy lucre. My filthy lucre. Yeah. <laughs> I'm selling my body in order to get some, some, uh, partial entertainment here. But I, I, I don't know the, the I've I've become increasingly uncomfortable with the buying into an idea, buying into a thing. And the and and I sit on the discomforting side of this movie where I I think that there's you know w- what it is and how it is is harder to say, you know, because I don't think even the movie can answer why Michael Jordan at this time, but he does fill in that gap. He fills in a gap for a lot of people. The possibility for maybe the inner city and uh, g- kids who want to do basketball, they see someone who got brought up in the same vein and same uh, you know outlook. And that they may, might be able to achieve that greatness, but then you know, from the other side, of people who can't recognize how he grew up or or maybe his skin color, but there's a buying into an idea because it becomes the, this idea of something that's cool, something yeah. that that is uh, hip, uh, something that is culturally significant. You get to be part of that as well. I've never been that person, really. You know, like I said, uh, you you are correct to point out that my parents could have afforded Air Jordans. I did not buy into it at that time. You know, I, I, basketball wasn't my favorite sport. Yeah, it wasn't your thing. It wasn't my thing. And so, but but I did buy into other ideas. But they weren't as culturally significant. They were more niche. Now they're a little more popular these days. You know, you look back at comic books and video games. They are now the the, the thing that people buy into at a at an easier accessible rate. And 
I don't know. It's very. It's you're right. This movie sets up an interesting assessment of something that is unspoken or not as articulated very well. That uh, that clearly, uh, you know, uh, Convy who wrote, writes it, but also you know Ben Affleck who's here to direct and has an interest in these things. Uh, Matt Damon as well. You know, the, these are guys who can choose anything that they want to do at this t- age. You know, they're Academy Award winners. They are. Um, they, they are cultural signifiers and box office draws in their own way. And for them to take on this story, choose to take on this story, it shows that they, they understand, or at least are trying to understand the phenomenon that you're, you're articulating. And I'm, yeah, I, I'm thinking of it in a different way because like structurally, I think I was like, it's, it sits comfortably in, in something that's digestible in a biopic sort of way. But it is the 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 ideas in its framework that I found mo- most interesting that I would that was undeniable yeah. when I watch. Well, and and I I don't think the movie about this other thing I'm talking about, but sort of the birth of a or the explosion of a certain kind of consumerism. I think the value in the movie is just looking at this moment, yeah. and trying yeah. to look at it closely and honestly. I think in a way the the question of whether Jordan should get paid is a little bit of a MacGuffin or a sort of a Trojan horse. Because I, I don't think that's – like I said, I just don't think that's an interesting conflict. No. Nor do I think it's particularly interesting how it gets resolved. Because one of the funny things about the movie is that you've got on one hand this democratization of the shoe as a kind of way to get a piece of Michael Jordan, as a way to feel like you're special yeah. in the way that he's special. But the movie is also – I don't want to say fixated the movie part. One of the things that drives the movie and drives Vaquero's perception of Jordan is that Jordan is a freak in the way that all great athletes are freaks. Yeah. They're not like us. No, they're driven in a way that is hard for us to, you know, you, you can't really know what it's like to be Michael Jordan because then you'd be Michael Jordan. And that's true of any other human being, right? We're all in some sense, a mystery to each other. But people like him are extra special, mysterious, because they're so driven, right? They've got tremendous talent, right? But other people have tremendous talent, too. And on top of their tremendous talent and their physical gifts, they're just driven in a way that is somewhat psychotic, right? I mean, yeah. and that, that comes through when you really, you really look at someone like Jordan. I mean, it's funny, right? Because they talk about Barkley, right? A great but not as great basketball player, much more interesting person. I mean, you can see Charles Barkley on the television all the time being funny, being entertaining. Yeah. You won't see Michael Jordan on the television because he's not interesting. Or true. he's not interesting in the way that Charles Barkley is interesting. Charles Barkley is self-consciously interesting. He can be funny. He knows yeah. how to be funny. He knows how to be entertaining. I like that they have a conversation about Barkley potentially being their clubhouse their, problem. Their club, <laughs> but he has clubhouse problems. And, and you're like, yeah, because he he's... The, the, those kind of problems are immensely relatable. Like he, well, he, that the, he, well, you know, he he's still a person to be like a great basketball great player, basketball like a player. hall of fame, basketball player. I yeah. went, you know, a top 50 player of all time. I know this because of space Jam. Yeah. I yeah. Yeah. But, but, but he does, he does not go on to be Michael Jordan. Right. And you know, part of that is whatever there's, there's a lot of contingencies in life. Right. Yeah. But it's a good contrast, right? Because, the, the Jordans, the LeBrons, the Tiger Woodses of the world, they are, they are, you know, they're additions of one. 
Mm-hmm. They are additions of one. I mean, all great athletes are maybe additions of one, but the truly spectacular, they're 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 so beyond our ability to perceive them. Yeah, what would it feel like to live as they do, mm-hmm. to be as they are, to be just psychotically driven? Mm-hmm. To almost goes back to eighty for Brady. We mentioned that that Tom Brady is just boring. Like he's boring. He's in, 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 no, Brady. In. Brady is in this category. Yeah, Brady is absolutely in the same category as Jordan. Yeah, he's absolutely in that category. He's not. I mean, that's the closest thing we can get to meeting an alien on Earth. Mm-hmm. Is someone like that? It, they're they're almost, as weird as serial killers. I mean, they're just. It's such a strange <laughs> way to it's be. True, right? It's, it's true. not. You know, because that's that singular drive to. I mean, how many people want to play professional basketball? Millions. Millions, yeah. Millions of people. Yeah. How many of them will be good to play varsity high school ball, to play at a Division One college, to even sniff the NBA? Not very many. Smaller and smaller, smaller, smaller and smaller. smaller. Smaller, And then you get to Michael Jordan. R- reminds me of Hoop Dreams, which is one of the most devastating looks at that. Like the, yeah. the, uh, the aspirations versus the, the statistics of what's possible well as i remember it the more talented kid is the one who has less of like the two of them the one who actually has more of a future is the one who is regarded as somewhat less talented if i remember that the the way it ends right yeah which is also telling right which is that even extreme talent is not really not yeah absolutely it's not not necessarily the the thing that gets you through i like this idea of these these, I mean, yeah. You look at someone like Michael Phelps, something, someone like Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, uh, LeBron. They're the bore, boring aspects of them, or really could be assessed that they are so stripped of a personality. You know, Charles Barkley has too much of a personality that it can't be honed for kind of a stripped down idea where they are a blank slate to put all these things upon. You, it, that's almost a requirement of all of these greats is that they need to be, they need to be accessible in, in a way where they don't grate against your your idea of them. Like they are just that idea. They and it's because they don't necessarily have a lot of thoughts going maybe in their head. It, the only thought they have is the drive, is the dedication. Yeah, I mean, is, it's you can't even conceive of what that would be like. No. Yeah, like I said, I mean, you just as easily think about what it would be like to be to be a god. Yeah, right. That's just that's what they are. That's what they are. Our gods now, you know. And God is dead. And uh, long live, long live God. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, it's just. Um, and so and so then I I mean, like I said, I think the conflict around whether he should get paid and how he should get paid is is a plot driver, but not interesting thematically. Well, well and I I think even the film knows that it is just a base assumption of what is right in the situation because they even end with Sonny being one of the advocates for uh, NCAA players uh, getting paid or getting yeah. you know a, a piece of what they're you know they're the money they're making the money that they're well, making not for, for the colleges them. right no yeah they get money from the companies but the colleges still don't have to pay which I think is is kind of a in a way, kind of a, a devious solution on the part of the NCAA. Like, yeah, you can get money, but not from us. No. You will let them pay you. I agree. Yeah. Smart. <laughs> smart. <laughs> yeah. When it comes to money, there's a lot of smart people. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's too smart for their own good yeah. sometimes. But, I, like I said, I found that all 
and in some sense, this makes a movie that's directed at someone like me who's very interested in, like I said, these kind of questions, right? How did we get here? What are the real phenomena that actually shape our lives? And I would argue that this kind of thing, this shift in consciousness, this, you know, you were talking about it earlier with your, with your cinephilia, you're liking comic books at some point. This explosion of identities that are tied to consumerism. Yeah. To me, that has a more significant impact day to day. Oh, yeah. On our lives than, you know, than the things that make the front page of the New York Times. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you see that in how everyone behaves or in how even the markets behave in that response. It is in the culture that they want to buy into these things. Therefore, it maneuvers and changes to adhere to that. And that's why the that's why we have the Super Mario Brothers movie. That's yeah. why we have the 33rd. I mean, to just today, the Marvels get, premiered its trailer it's the 33rd movie in the Marvel franchise. 33 of them. Like that it's it's a mountain to climb. 33 when will we get to number 666? <laughs> uh, uh, and Satan <laughs> arrives. This is the final boss. <laughs> We're building up to it. But that's the, Satan that's of, the, the Satan of South Park is going to be merged into the uh, oh. Marvel universe. If we could be so lucky. Yeah. <laughs> we could be so lucky to have that Satan. Anyway, I I it's I don't know. The, the, you're you're right. There there is something large here, a phenomenon that is we're we're still dealing with because mostly because we don't stop to assess it. We, that's that's not the determination here of make the of of making money off of the thing. Yeah. Once it's there, you just do it. You just make it continue. You you continue the process, but you don't take a step back. To go, why, yeah. why, what, and 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 what are the consequences? But that's what's so fucking fascinating to me about this phenomenon is that it's just the air we breathe. Yeah, it is, and yeah. it's new. <laughs> it's new, right? Yeah. It's a new phenomenon to be so central. The desperation. I mean, it, it, it's not new in some sense, right? No. The desperation to belong. The need to be part of the tribe or the community, the need to not be ostracized, right? The need to put yourself in a group with other people as a form of survival. That's anthropology. That's nothing new. No, that, that's, that's human history. But in an age where for us, because we're very lucky, the basic imperatives of survival are somewhat tamped down, right? We don't. We don't get up in the morning and look out of the world and think, well, I better kill an animal today mm-hmm. or I might die. We don't think that. No, we are. We, but we, whatever that is, is still in there somewhere. That sort of visceral reptilian need to be protected, to feel safe, right? Deep in our animal brain, it's there. It's real. And it is leveraged now to sell us shit. Yeah, yeah. At a premium, right? Mm-hmm. We're paying a premium for a product that makes us feel as though we belong, mm-hmm. that we are a part of something, that we have community, that we have that protection that is attendant to not being ostracized, to not being on our own. 
That's what they're using to sell us shit. Yeah. That's what they're tapping into. You do not want to be left behind. You don't want the kids in the playground to make fun of you because your shoes are old and cheap and shitty. You got them from Payless, whatever. You don't have the pumps. You don't have the pumps. pumps. You don't have the pumps. (laughs) And, yeah. I mean, think about another cultural phenomenon that falls in the wake of this. Mars Blackman. Spike Lee. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know you and I have different opinions about him as a filmmaker, but certainly an iconic American filmmaker of this period. I'm I'm a, I don't know, 60-40 in positive on Spike Lee. But point being, though, here is a guy who is using his significant talents as a filmmaker to sell shoes. It's got to be the shoes. Mm -hmm. It's got to be the shoes, right? And you think about, wow, that's amazing. Or they talk about uh, Run DMC making a song about Adidas. This merging of culture and commerce, right? It's uh, and, and the attachment of you know, I mean, think about uh, you know, the significance of I don't know, the the Raider hat to NWA or something like that. You know, the the merging yeah. of commerce, culture, fashion. Well, and, and into and, this kind of behemoth right this kind of psychic behemoth that dominates people's consciousness that makes people lust for these products like i said it is it's almost like commenting on the weather yeah which will tell you how important this phenomenon is because you know it's it's very modern it is interesting that it is being funneled through black culture during this time, clearly emerging as a popular, like a hugely popular form for across the board, not only for That's, no, the, uh, the dominant form, yeah, the the, dominant, do, the form. dominant American cultural forms of our lifetime have come from African Americans. That being, yeah. black Americans who are generally the descendants of slaves who are brought here in boats, and, right? And, and so, the, the complete cultural hegemony. Yeah, is it that's a that is also an amazing story. Yes, yeah. Right. Well, no, it's it, also an it's, amazing story and a huge part of America in our lifetimes. Well, it's an amazing story, and I think embedded in this movie is the, the, the and it goes back to again the the kind of base assumption that a more uninteresting thing in this movie is that Michael Jordan should get paid for what he is representing, but think of it. Before that, it's like this merging of culture. It, they're almost using the black voice to sell and do all that. And they're not necessarily essentially getting a piece or the piece or or, or uh, they're selling it. They're they're the voice of of getting you involved in the selling of this these products well, and that that in that culture. Well, and yeah, those I mean, things. I mean, you can understand why Jay Z is telling you that what he's doing is get back for black people who were exploited of previous generations. Like, okay, fair enough, but they're dead, and you're rich, and I'm not sure what this does for anyone else. No, I'm I mean, just saying. I mean, I, no, no, but I, oh. I I agree with you. I'm just. Yeah. I, I think it's. I think it's. Um, it's very interesting, right? You get this, you get this, you know, one, one should not mistake. There are different ways of thinking about justice, right? Mm-hmm. I do think it's just that people profit off what they make, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, as yeah. opposed to the, you know, whatever, these people who are completely parasitic, right, mm-hmm. on, on their efforts. Uh, whether that, the, the investment in, but there is this self-serving desire to make it seem like that's good for kind of everyone. Mm-hmm. 
I, I think that that's a little, I think that, um, I think we know the answer to that because we can see no, the answer to yeah, that. Yeah, no, we, we, we definitely we know, can see. I think we know whether or not having, I mean, the truth is that, um, you know, the name of the game in our lifetime is co-option, right? You get, you get enough people of every group on board with kind of the status quo and it, it happens to persist. Yeah. Well, and, and I think in that action with Michael Jordan making a, a historically unconventional request or his mother making this request on his behalf to have to be part of the investment and to earn what he thinks is deserved on using that 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 voice it was a step for all of this you know black culture being you know funneling and uh, you know being used as a voice to democratize and sell not only not only to white people but to the black community and for the, the you know for Run DMC, I mean they were making a lot of money, but they're not making they're not making the money that the record company or Adidas is making yeah. in that kind of unison. So it is a step in the direction for you to go. Wait, if I'm part of this, if if you are utilizing my voice, my culture, my representation to sell this thing, I should also be yes. benefiting from yes. this. And yeah. th- that that. Yeah. I think that that is subtly embedded in this movie. Quite you get well. you get you get the emergence of a class of black millionaires and black billionaires that didn't exist previously. You get um, a celebration of black excellence and the ability for those people to be rewarded when previous generations their their um, the profits that they earned would have been totally taken from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although I mean, I was just listening to some people talk a couple days ago about these tremendously exploitative 360 deals that uh, that record and entertainment companies get a lot of young rappers to sign, right? Mm-hmm. So more things change, the more they stay the same. That's uh, true. Maybe, and maybe there's a black executive on the back end of that now who's uh, selling them on that deal where it would have been a white A&R guy in a previous generation, right? Yeah. But, you know, uh, the justification for it or the you know everyone wants a piece if you want a piece and you don't have it you're going to have to take it the circumstances under which you're going to be able to take it are very strange and you have to really know your moment and seize your moment mm-hmm. all that's true the broader social benefit of it you know we have yet to see it yes it's a question and we have, uh, we, you know if it's coming uh its arrival is yeah. has been somewhat delayed well and, and i think i appreciated this movie for its large aims you know i i think i think it has an inevitable conclusion in some ways but i think you you have pointed out in in a large way that it it offers up and proffers up some thought provoking ideas yeah. about what what this what this time period meant what what are we dealing still to this day of its impact and consideration and I, you know, I think it's very, it's, you know, Ben Affleck is a good filmmaker. And even though he's had some dips here or there, uh, most notably, like, They Live By Night, but he's done Calm Baby Gone, The Town, you know, Argo. This is, he is a, uh, he knows the form of filmmaking. He's a, he's a capable director. I, it was funny going into this, I remember your comment about his wig as Philip Knight, but I, they're almost playing it as part of a joke figure. Like there's almost a self-awareness in his wig and like how he's being presented. 
Uh, or was that not you? Yeah, no, I know the wig is is hilarious. It's hilarious. I did, I did point out that you know credit to him for producing a movie where he makes himself look stupid. Yeah, well, and and, and there's a commentary on like Philip Knight as a character and like doing that. Like you know, yes. it, it's it, yeah the the modern the modern mogul, right? I mean, it's just like the 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 CEO from uh, Silicon Valley, right? Yes. With his guru yeah. hanging out with him. I mean, it's yeah, Phil Knight is definitely in that. Steve Jobs, you know, uh, Larry Ellison kind of, you know, mold of these guys who see themselves as being I mean, sort of strangely enlightened. Yeah. But, but I mean, who clearly had some kind of insight, right? I mean, yes. you know, yeah. a lot of people tried to do what they did and... You know, they, well, and, they, and they the di- saw something, and they play they play it for good dynamics and contrast, like with with Sonny and Phil, like in their conversations. Like, are you going to quote some like Dalai Lama bullshit that I'm just like? <laughs> and then, like as he's walking out, he does it, and he's like, "Yep, there it is." All right, and yeah, well, I mean those those guys know how to work on on the screen they together. Do. They've they, done a, they've done a few things. They've been, they grew up together. They they their partnership is well known, and they work well. This is a this is a movie that's very well crafted put together well uh, robert richardson shoots it in a very uh, which i actually I, di- I didn't think it was going to have this kind of texture but it does have kind of an 80s kind of aged colorization to it which i liked it visually and yeah i, I mean a good good looking movie from on the level of production design and all that i thought very absolutely. very good very effective yeah I, I you know i there's not a lot of fault to it i i I I don't think it, it I I liked this conversation because clearly there is a lot on its mind and I I don't it maybe initially when I was watching it it landed on more of a certainty on one angle that I thought was pretty obvious yes. rather than this one and so uh, the, the, this this better idea that's at the center of it because it, it's it's kind of it's probing at it it's trying to understand a a moment a lightning in a bottle moment uh, and that that makes it a very interesting story in general. And I think, uh, they do a capable job with it. I, I think it is worth your, worth your time probably to see it. Like yeah. it, it is and well crafted. And like I said, I, I feel like from the, the vantage point of these issues, the value is just in looking at it. Yeah. Not in taking a position on it. I mean, in a way it reminds me of what I liked so much about, about Banshees of Inishirin, which I think that one thing that's very compelling about that movie is how it looks at a different stage of the birth of modern consciousness, the idea of being someone, of being famous, mm-hmm. right? Of like having a life that's a life of being a person of significance, right? Mm-hmm. These these ideas are both sort of very, these very modern ideas of the self that I think are very compelling. And I think that the value is in just looking at them and trying to look at them very clearly. Yeah. But in a way, it, but it's also a very American movie, right? I mean, uh, Affleck has... Um, become someone him and damon have become people who are very interested in kind of modern american mythology certainly i mean when you think about goodwill hunting i mean what is that but kind of a modern riff on a horatio alger story sure right i mean but told through this very uh you know the kind of boy genius savant character versus like the entrepreneur character this is very deep in the american mythos right this idea of being self-made in that particular way or this creation of these uh these kinds of figures that are both like us but not like us but we can be a little bit like them if you just buy this product right Mm -hmm. it's very this is like i said it's so in our minds not even in our minds it's so in our hearts and our desires right 
that I don't think we're even aware of it. No, not. But not it, even. but it's, but it's. Um, I mean, this is something I spend a lot of time thinking about: is all the unique and bizarre and probably deleterious features of consciousness today, features of um, our world and how we perceive it, how how our desires get formed and uh, exercised that I mean in your head wherever you're at just seems normal to you right it just seems like that's the way things are but it's really profoundly weird and fucked up yeah I don't want to say fucked up I don't know because I, I think like I said I think a value of this movie is that with this thing I'm talking about it's not there to take a position. It's just no. there to look at this moment and say, like, isn't this interesting? Yeah. Let's take a look at this. Let's see what's happening at precisely the moment where, you know, where the uh, the nitro really hits the engine. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And there, I think there's more value in, than, in that than having some sort of commentary on no, it. No, absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I, I was glad to have seen it. It was one of the better things I've seen this year up to this point. And uh, having talked it out, yeah, I mean, it it is trying to assess something pretty uh, pretty unique. Um, and, and it's becoming increasingly so in uh, th- this idea. Like you said, Banshees. I mean, we talked about like maybe like King Richard. Yeah. You know, it, these movies that are trying to tap into the idea of America, and especially in the modern day America, and where wh- what are those solidifying moments? This is one of them. It's not the moment, but it is one of them that's part of of the modern American psychology. Well, and it's not going to get written into the history books the same way that like Reagan will. No, no. And Reagan is important. I don't, I don't take away from that, but this kind of shit is also important. And it might be more, maybe more important. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Certainly more important for the day to day experience of life. Mm-hmm. Right. And how our consciousness gets shaped, especially when we're young. Right. Because this kind of consumerist desire is, uh, intentionally pitched at the young, yeah, right, for obvious reasons. Absolutely, on, on the ground response to to product, to entertainment, to what what is at our disposal, what we're what we want. I, I know we're talking about that. There's a lot of selling to us, but we are kind of that that importance is because of how how we do the collective yeah. does respond to these ideas and yeah. accept them and buy into them. And that is equally part of the equation that this is trying to kind of understand. No, I thought this was great. This was a great conversation. Of course. Of always. Right? Of course. Of course it was great. <laughs> You're welcome out there. Yeah, maybe Kyle keep asking you for ideas. Send something in. If you got it, if you want to tell us that we suck or that we're pieces of yeah, shit. You can you can send us Instagram messages. I mean, if you I will put my email out there, generationfilm at gmail.com. Yeah, yeah. Contact Kyle, do not contact me. Yes. Uh and yeah, go to Kyle's Substack or go to my Substack, Dead Reckoner. Go to Kyle's Patreon. I know movies and you don't. Give us all your money. <laughs> Give us some of your money. Give us a little bit of your money. Get a little piece of us, right? You can be like us. You can have a little bit of the glory, the reflected glory by subscribing to our various media channels. By and in us. that yeah. <laughs> Give your life some meaning that it previously didn't maybe, have. Maybe you'll fly as well. You know, <laughs> just, we, we soar. We soar over here. You'll fly, you'll fly coach. Uh, I guess next week, 
What do we got? Renfield. Renfield. We Renfield. Got we, got, we got Nick Cage. Nick um, Cage coming at us. And I think it's an early release IMAX run of Bo is Afraid. The Bo new is Ari Afraid. Aster okay. Film. So I think maybe those um, two. Are we afraid? Are we afraid of Bo? Uh, I mean, it's three hours. Oh, so. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Why are you doing this to me, it's motherfuckers? A, it's a, apparently a Jewish, a very Jewish Oedipal Odyssey. That is uh, how it's being marketed. Great. Great. So we'll we'll get we'll get closer three to our hours. mothers. Three hours. Can I get a can I get like the inverse of a director's cut? Can I get like a reader's digest version? <laughs> is that a thing? I don't know. I don't think so. So can I, here's an idea for you, Hollywood, if you're listening. Reader's digest. Reader's version. digest version. Uh so the, the I think those are the two that are fifteen minutes. It's the fifteen minute version, just to still it. Thirty minutes. The YouTube uh assessment 30 yeah something something quick <laughs> well let let's see let's see how we do I, th- I yeah i think it's coming to imax screens this weekend so uh we'll uh <laughs> calling out for an imax release yeah apparently, apparently it's quite something uh is uh you know mi- mixed reaction kyle is afraid i am a little afraid ben is afraid <laughs> colin is afraid Colin is afraid. Katie won't so, see it. Probably not. Silvana well, won't maybe, see she it. She might actually see it. She she had a strong reaction to Midsummer. Uh, so might might a be a strong reaction. I like that. Well, uh, she she I think like she, she broke into hives. No, I think I think some of it hit very personally. Oh, there you go. That happens sometimes. It does. Yeah. Okay. You guys have a great week out there. We love you. If you listen this far, you're the best. Uh, you are. And we'll we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. See you soon. <laughs>